This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Welcome to Health Check, a podcast series by The Straits Times where we tackle health tips and the impact of national policies with expert guests. I'm Joyce Teo and my co-host is Ray Kurohi. Our special guest today is Prof. Francis Xiaochun, a colorectal surgeon from Concord International Hospital. He's here to debunk myths on colorectal cancer, which is the number one cancer in Singapore. Hi, Prof. Hi, Prof. Hello. So can you tell us what this cancer is? Colorectal cancer is cancer that occurs in the colon and rectum. The mm-hmm. colon is the proximal or the first part of the large intestine, and the rectum is the straight part in the pelvis, which ends at the anus. Mm-hmm. So what's the biggest misconception that people have about this cancer? Well, you know, what I see in the clinic every day is people coming in saying that why do I have colorectal cancer? I never eat any meat, I don't eat barbecue, I just eat fibre, I just eat vegetables, I'm a vegan. Why do I have colorectal cancer? Mm-hmm. The second biggest myth is if I've got cancer, I avoid eating sugar, I will kill the cancer cells. Mm-hmm. These two are the things I think we have to address today. Right. So why are they misconceptions then? Well, because the main causes of colorectal cancer are not these two. The first and most important cause for colorectal cancer is family history. Genetics is very important. Now, there are several sorts of genes that can be passed on to children. Uh, one is what we call autosomal dominant, which means if either parent has this gene, 50% of the children will get the gene. Once you get the gene, the chance of you getting colorectal cancer is very high. Mm-hmm. The other sorts of gene would be what we call multifactorial. The gene is strong in the family, but it doesn't necessarily mean that everybody will get cancer. It interacts with other genes and with other factors. So family history is very important. Having said that, 80% of all colorectal cancer sufferers do not have a family history. So besides family history, other factors are very important. And these patients often come to us and are surprised. I don't have family history because we also Mm -hmm. stress family history often enough. People understand this to be important. The other important factors are actually environmental Mm -hmm. and of course, aging. Aging is a very important risk factor for colorectal cancer. Mm-hmm. We know that the high risk groups would be 50 to 80. Right. So why you say, you know, when you say aging, what about those above 80? Well, if you've got strong genes and you don't have cancer between this age, then the risk of a person getting cancer at the age of 80 would be lower. It doesn't mean they won't get it, but obviously it's going to be lower because they've got good genes. Right. So are the dietary factors entirely myths then? Dietary factors may play a very small part but they are not something that we can rely on to prevent cancers in the individual. Now, there are many studies which show that vegetarians as well as non-vegetarians can get colorectal cancer. One of the very big studies is the Nurses' Health Study, which they looked at almost 90,000 nurses over 16 years. In Mm. fact, they found in that study that the group of nurses who ate high meat had less colorectal cancer than those who ate high fibre. Right, interesting. That's quite surprising because I think most of the time we hear advice that tells us to eat more fibre, eat more fruits, eat less fast food. So these are all myths then? Uh, Yes, I'd like to bring up one of the very important myths which we need to debunk today and that is if one eats less sugar, one can kill cancer cells. Sugar is actually a very important component of our daily life. It helps us in our activities. It builds up body tissues, muscles, and nerves. Everything in the body needs sugar for energy, for the processes. Without sugar, we will faint. And that's because the brain actually uses the most sugar in the body. Anybody that has done a PET scan, for example, which detects tissues or cells that uses sugar a lot, 
And it is not cancer that uses sugar a lot. It's the brain. The brain uses the most sugar at any time in the body. Now, all of us know if we feel hungry, we feel faint. And in fact, we do faint if we are too hungry. Now, too hungry doesn't mean we are hungry and we faint. It actually means we are hypoglycemic. That word means low on sugar. Low blood sugars. Low blood sugar. If a person without cancer starves, sugar drops, he will faint. Mm -hmm. Now, if a person with cancer whose cancer cells is actively imbibing his nutrition fast or doesn't take any carbs or doesn't take any sugar at all, he's going to be in a worse state than the ordinary person. So we cannot kill cancer cells by not eating sugar. In fact, we're going to kill ourselves first because when we fast, the cancer cells can eat our body cells. But what's the body cell going to eat? Right. So this is the problem. Now, if you like what you're hearing so far, do subscribe to our series Health Check on Apple's iTunes or Google Podcast or even on Spotify and like us and give us a rating. Now, back to our conversation with colorectal surgeon, Prof. Francis Xiaochun from Concord International Hospital. So, Prof, tell us about fruits then. Yeah, that actually is a good run-in from our last session on sugar because a lot of people tell cancer sufferers, hey, don't drink soft drinks, don't drink carbonated drinks, don't take sugar, don't eat too much rice because it's full of sugar. And they tell you, but take more fruits. Fruits are healthy and prevents cancer. But fruits but are full of sugar too, aren't exactly, they? Exactly. Let's look at it. Fruits, what we can absorb from fruits actually, the sugar. The flesh is sugar, fructose, glucose and so forth. Obviously, there's some vitamins there. But what we actually get from fruits is sugar. I've also heard a lot of patients telling me, oh, honey is anti-cancer. But you know, honey is 100% sugar. Mm -hmm. So these are things that our audience needs to understand and know that what is often said, one has to check carefully because not all messages are correct scientifically. Prof, can you elaborate on the environmental factors that you mentioned earlier? Yes. I think part of the problem uh, why we see increased rise in the incidence of critical cancer around the world in industrialized countries is because of the rampant use of petrochemicals. Years ago, you know, many decades ago, we know that benzene, which was used as additive in fuel, car fuel and so forth, causes cancer. That was withdrawn. But we are still using a lot of petrochemicals in modern life. Plastics is actually a derivative of petrochemicals. In our lab and the labs around the world, how do we get rats to get correct cancer so we can study them? Well, we use petrochemicals. Actually, these petrochemicals are a component of car as well as aircraft fuel. And the two most common chemicals used are azoxymethane and dimethylhydrazine. We just put some of this on the cereal that we feed to the laboratory rats and all the rats get cancer within two to four months, depending on dosage we use. So that shows us why in industrialised countries we get a higher risk at the earlier age of colorectal cancer. Right, then should we be starting screening at an earlier age then? Yes, around the world, in many colorectal societies, cancer societies, the advocate screening at age of 45 to 50. That's because at that age, there is an increased risk of colon and rectal cancer. However, as we said earlier, colorectal cancer doesn't start as cancer from the word go. It starts mm -hmm. as a small polyp which stays in the body for 10, 20, 30 years before it becomes cancerous. So in order to nip this in the bud, we should actually screen for polyps rather than cancer. Right. And polyps should be screened around the age of 35 onwards. Because if you remove a polyp at 35, that person will not have cancer at 45. But if you start screening at 45, then cancer is there. It's more difficult to treat cancer than to nip off the butt of a polyp. So how often should we go for screening? Well, the best screening method is not using fecal occult blood. The best screening method is to do a colonoscopy. 
Fecal occult blood is often positive in people without cancer because all of us have hemorrhoids. Hemorrhoids are a normal part of the body and when we pass motion, sometimes they bleed. Mm -hmm. Now, on the other hand, not all cancers bleed when we are testing them. So, colonoscopy can be started at age of 35 mm -hmm. for persons who are at high risk or persons who are more health conscious. And if there are polyps found, then we would recommend, depending on kind of polyps, now polyps as to the frequency of checking. But surely, it is usually three to five yearly. In people who are normal, again, depending on age, we like to check them five to ten yearly. The recommendation is every ten years, actually. Not quite true. The American Society recommends every ten years, but in between, they recommend sigmoidoscopy, they recommend barium enema, they recommend other tests. Because we cannot just rely on American or European recommendations. Over there, they have limited funds to do this for the individual because every test is paid for by government. And secondly, they don't have enough facility for everybody to be tested. So they talk about cost effectiveness. But cost effectiveness in our situation is borne mainly by the individual. So surely for the individual, it's more costly and more dangerous to treat cancers rather than to go and get yourself screen for benign polyps and to remove the benign polyp. So you think we can bring down the numbers by going for early screening? It has been shown in America that the colorectal cancer risk has been dropping over the last many decades mm -hmm. because of the rampant use of colonoscopic screening. Well, that's a wrap for Health Check. Thanks for joining us today, Prof. Chun. Thank you very much. We hope you like these latest healthy living tips. Do subscribe to us, Health Check, on Apple's iTunes or on Google's Podcasts or even on Spotify. And give us a rating if you like what you hear. That was an SPH podcast. Find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts and streaming on Google Home. Do send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at straightstimes.com and bt.sg.